Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And I've seen women come in and be like, totally not out fully even to themselves, certainly not out to family. And I've been facilitating enough that I've seen them come out and progress like further than me. Like they have like a girlfriend and they're like moving in. And I'm like, fuck, I have this weird arrested development where I'm like great at shepherding women through the coming out process. And then I'm like, okay, you've surpassed everything I can teach you. Good luck out there. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that believes you can't call yourself a dyke if you're not in the fight for racial justice. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are Diking Out with actor and comedian Lauren Flans from the Coming Out podcast about being a bad lesbian. She bad. <laughs> so bad. I also make some bad lesbian confessions. Couple of announcements. I'm going to be on a queer storytelling show on June 13th at 7 p.m. I'll post the details online, but Kelly Dunham, who was a guest on the podcast, has a great queer storytelling show, and I'm going to be part of it talking about grief. So that should be, I don't know, maybe a little bit heavy. So if you're not in the mood, don't tune in. But if you want to see me, do that. Shout out to all the Susans who have been tuning into my handful of Zoom comedy shows. I appreciate the support. Also, want to call out a past episode of Diking Out that if you haven't listened to it already or maybe you want to revisit it, it's called Allies. That was the topic. And the guest was Elsa Eli Waith. And Elsa is an amazing leader and organizer in the community and has a lot of great things to say about being an ally to which they say they don't want allies. They want comrades and accomplices. It's a great episode. Revisit that, which I guess will bring us into talking a little bit about what's been going on. So last week we recorded and talked about the things that are happening in this country right now. And then Melody and I both went to different protests and things have really Last week was a was a whole different world. Yep. We recorded our episode, I mean, like moments before we hit the streets yeah. and really got a taste of this shift in consciousness that's happening across the country and the world. It's beautiful. It's painful. We obviously need to start off by saying that we fully support the Black Lives Matter movement and stand in solidarity with those fighting for racial and economic justice. I know we're going to put a lot of resources in our episode notes because we want that information easily accessible rather than us just listing off organizations. Uh, First, I want to say to our black listeners, we love you and we hope you are taking care of yourselves. At this point on June 6th, 2020, are starting to 
experience feed fatigue. Yeah. And I say, leave that for the white people. Yeah. <laughs> Let them absorb all the information. Now is a great time for you to be uncomfortable. We've been doing a lot of listening and reading and watching this week. And I've seen a lot of cases where people are very uncomfortable with things like defund the police. You know, they're like, whoa, that's very radical. There's really nothing radical about it. And that's a solution that Black leaders have been talking about for years. There are so many resources and literature on it, and it makes a lot of sense to not have people with guns answering to situations that 99% of the time does not call for somebody with the ability to use lethal force. So, you know, do your research when something makes you uncomfortable. Think about why it's making you uncomfortable when people say, fuck the police. And then I see people responding, well, no, that's not the right way. Don't do that. Don't tell people, like, especially don't tell black people, you know, let them say, fuck the police. Try to understand why they're saying, fuck the police. Because they are saying, fuck the system. And you can't just encapsulate the, <laughs> the depth of the corruption in one single chant. So just let people say fuck the police and get that it's representative of something huge. Don't bring your not all cops arguments or whatever. Don't give attention to looting. You know, like why if, if you're upset about the looting, maybe examine why you care about property. Maybe it's that we are living in a capitalist society, those of us in the U.S., that values property and businesses over humans. And we need to think about that, right? Anything that's making you uncomfortable, feel it. Yeah, fe- feel uncomfortable and don't join the conversation unless you're being helpful and posting like propaganda and pointing out the the problems, like emphasizing, oh, but protests have to be peaceful. They don't by really emphasizing peaceful protests. I mean, yes, all the protests that that we've been going to have been very peaceful, but also we're talking about communities that have been just taking on all this violence toward them since forever. And we're telling them that they're not allowed to act out but they have to absorb getting hit, getting gassed, getting rubber bullets and plastic bullets at them. So, you know, if a cop hits somebody and they hit the cop back, like, I think that's within their rights. If you have problems understanding why sometimes violent is inherently a part of protest culture, Google Angela Davis. Watch her videos. Just take this time. If you can't protest... Protest takes so many different forms. We touch on that in this conversation with Lauren, who, you know, is very much a hypochondriac, is afraid of germs, doesn't want to go out and put herself at risk for COVID. There's so much more you can do online and donate and talk to your racist family. I know my white girlfriend is having the most draining week fighting with her Trump supporting family and also just like reckoning with a lot of privilege. I mean, Allie's going through it right now and it's very interesting to watch. Oh, you know, it's it's the most, on top of everything, The Help is the number one movie right now in the country. I was going to say that. Why? Why is The Help trending? You don't have to watch The Help. You don't have to watch 12 Years a Slave. You don't need 
need to they need to rickroll anybody trying to watch the help right now except direct them to like the 13th or something of like real substance but anybody right now who thinks watching the help is the answer you are not getting you need it. help you need help you need you need the help you need help. Just watch Spike Lee. I don't know. Watch Do the Right Thing. IMDb put out a list today that was like, what to watch? And it was like... And the help's not on it. It's not, but... It's a bad you know, list. That didn't stop people from finding it. But they wrote in the comments, you know, sound off in the comments with what you think people should be watching. And legitimately, the first comment on there is Green Book. Why? Ah. <laughs> don't watch Green Book. Don't watch The Help. It's crazy. Yeah, maybe do something better like go to a protest, which speaking of, Melody, I know the protests I went to were all very tame. How about the ones that you went to? What I've seen, the Brooklyn protests have been absolutely wild. It's really crazy to watch police respond to protests on police brutality with so much brutalization. So much. I mean, I was shoved by a cop walking home from the first protest I went to on Saturday. I was trying to meet up with a black friend who was scared to go and like ran home because they tried to meet up right when this happened. We were all marching. It was very peaceful and organized. We kind of got to a bottleneck and we were trying to figure out like why we weren't able to turn onto a certain street. A bunch of cops had blocked off that street and were kind of getting ready in their riot gear. And so we're already kind of paying attention to what's happening on the ground. Meanwhile, there's many helicopters circling around above us, but we don't even notice that one's getting closer and closer to the ground. And while we're kind of watching the cops on the ground who are getting ready to what appears to be like pepper spray and they're getting their batons and their shields out, a NYPD helicopter just does a nosedive into the crowd to disperse us. It yep. was terrifying. I bet. This helicopter got so close to our human bodies. It was insane. It was also really inspiring to see that that didn't stop the march. Everyone ran and disbanded, but once again, thousands of people regrouped, joined, and marched on in Brooklyn into the night. This was, of course, before we have curfews now in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, it's already hard to get groceries and, you know, what you need in a pandemic when there's lines and only X amount of people allowed into these small markets and grocery stores. But now with a curfew, it seems even more impossible. I found myself sprinting home in the rain last night at 7.55 with like wet tacos, just like because we had recorded and I didn't have enough time before eight o'clock and risked it. And (laughs) just running for my life because I needed food to tide me over to the next day. This is absolutely insane. We're shooting pepper spray and making people cough in the middle of a pandemic. It's yeah. absurd. Yeah, the the pepper spray, the tear gas. You know, there was one cop I read that they were suspended without pay for taking off a black guy's mask and then spraying him an inch away from his face with pepper spray. Took off his mask oh my God. to do that. And, you know, suspended without pay. Come on. You just can't. People like that shouldn't have their jobs. I don't know. It's nuts. And the NYPD sergeant's Benevolence Association, their their union, came out with some memo for all of the officers being like, we'll win this war on New York City. This is a fight of good versus evil. That is insane. 
if that doesn't let you know the magnitude of what's happening right now, the violations going on, they suspended habeas corpus in, in New York so people can be detained with with no reason and held for longer periods of time. It's totally crazy. We aren't doing anything wrong. We have a right to gather, to protest. The police aren't there to make protesters safe. There's nothing that they're doing that's making us more safe. They are violently attacking us, New Yorkers, and around the country. If you can't protest, you can amplify black voices. You can donate to any organization on the resources we'll have in our episode notes. Write to your representatives. We can also post easy kind of templates or those services that uh, kind of autofill your email or text if you don't know what to say. Changing gears a little bit, but not really. Uh, do you want to tell me about the gayest thing that you did this week? Oh, man. This whole week has been full of gay activity. And yes, I'm talking about protest. Protest is inherently queer, and it doesn't just have to be out in the streets. I have been out in the streets, but I've also been using this week to read and educate myself, but also donate, 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 donate. And this week, especially, I've been donating to Black-led LGBT organizations, and we can also include those in our episode notes. One in particular I really like is the Okra Project. Some other ones, House of Gigi, Trans Justice Funding Project, Youth Breakout. That's pretty queer of me, wouldn't you say? Donating and (laughs) resisting. Yes. No, this is what I love about donating this last week. I, because of COVID, have lost my job. Yeah. So I'm now on unemployment. And I am basically taking the money the government is giving me and redistributing (laughs) it on my own until we can get the actual government to allocate and redistribute these funds to where they're needed. Yes. And I know a lot of people are doing that. Like, we're all your stimulus money. Yeah, we're stimulating the social fight. Yes. (laughs) I just love that many of us are taking our government checks and putting it to causes. I still haven't gotten my stimulus check. I'm like, really? Yeah, it's a mess. But yes, I would say that that is very gay and especially giving to organizations that also help black and trans communities is soups gay. Yeah, we all know that Stonewall wouldn't have happened without Marsha P. Johnson. And just black and brown trans and queer women who are also the most marginalized in the whole world, trans women of color. And unfortunately, they're the ones being left behind as our gay civil rights movement progresses. And that's unacceptable. So please consider donating to any black-led LGBTQ cause. Hey, what is the gayest thing you did this last week? Well, one might think that it was marching and protesting outside of Stonewall, but it was not. It It was. It got gayer. It got gayer. I went back out on Thursday to a march in my neighborhood and turned around Who's there? My ex-wife and her girlfriend. That's hella gay. (laughs) That's so gay. That's so gay. You know, I had a face mask on. She had a face mask on. But I also had like sunglasses and a baseball cap. Obviously, I'm recognizable with the pink hair. But 
because I had my entire face covered, I could pretend like I didn't see her. Like I didn't have to acknowledge it in any way. Also because Cecilia was still working and she caught up with me like maybe 10 minutes later, but I was all by myself. So I didn't want to engage in any, in any way. Not like there's, there's nothing, you know, yeah, what are you bad between us, but you know, that's not the time to be like, hey, how's it going? What you been up to? You know, so you would like, be doing exactly what you didn't like the Stonewall protesters doing behind you. Exactly. So. Yeah. So when Cecilia came, she was like, should we say hi? Because like it was obvious that we had all seen each other. And I'm like, no, that's not why we're here. No. So, no. yeah, that that was uh, that was pretty gay. It could happen again. You know, I'm going out today and sticking in in Queens because I like to minimize my time on the MTA. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I I'm sticking to Brooklyn. I might go into Manhattan. Past guest Desiree Akvan, by the way, really out there Shout on out. the streets. I mean, if you didn't start following her because of the episode once it came out, definitely follow her. She's posting a lot of resources and... She's messaging us with, like, everything that's an action item of, like, email the the UN, email your local officials, swipe up on this, here, do this, do this, and go into the protests, like, almost every day I feel like I'm seeing yeah, from her. Yeah, I just saw early this morning she's already in Harlem, and she lives by me in Brooklyn. So if we didn't have a crush on her before, we definitely do now. I just think she's posting a lot of really helpful resources. So yeah. Definitely worth a follow. Yeah, and also speaking up against racism in the film industry, which and is... And in the Persian community. Yeah? Yeah, reposted some things. Because there is, uh, obviously, racism in the Persian community. There's racism in every culture and community. Sure. May she rest in peace, but I will never forgive my grandma for not letting me watch Gullah Gullah Island because they were siapust, which is black skin. <gasps> I mean, it's rampant and... Every community, and hopefully the momentum keeps going with what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks. It is very inspiring, and I feel like change is going to come. Speaking of change, let's change the topic to bad lesbians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> use this next conversation to maybe recharge. Um, <laughs> Have a laugh. Before you hit the streets again. Have a laugh before you read that next article. Yeah. or book, and just keep fighting the good fight. Love to you all, Black Lives Matter. All right, so today we are diking out with actress, comedian, and fellow podcaster Lauren Flans about being a bad lesbian. You may know Lauren from MTV's Wild and Out, or recently the pilot for Butch Pal for the Straight Gal, or maybe from the awesome Coming Out pod that she co-hosts with Nicole Payson. Lauren, it is so good to finally have you here. Hi, I'm so excited to to be here remotely. Yes, would rather have it be in person, of course. Yeah. I had so much fun when I was on your podcast in LA, so you know, once travel resumes in 4 years, uh maybe we can hang out in person. <laughs> but looking forward to it. <laughs> Are you in LA right now? I'm in LA literally right now as we speak. Um it's I would describe it as in turmoil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not great uh, where I'm pretty far away from the police activity 
and whatnot, or at least so far I am, so in that respect. Right. L- listeners, when we're recording this, like right now we can all be in Handmaid's Tale because <laughs> fingers this is crossed. important to know <laughs> a, a week and a half before it goes out. But yeah, it seems to me like in L.A., the rich people are getting nervous. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's they. I was just reading one p.m. curfew in Beverly Hills or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that shit's real. But yeah, they're purposefully organizing protests in the richer areas, which is not customary. But they're making that choice to have it be like, hey, we exist. Remember us? Like, and I think that's a great move. And I also think that's why our police presence has been vastly heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I have always been a pretty bad germaphobe. I had it, like, under control, and then this happened, and it was like, oh, no! <laughs> so, as I was saying, I I haven't set foot in any kind of store the entire lockdown. I've been getting all my groceries delivered and stuff, so I have not participated in any protests, full transparency, because I am scared of everything, but... I think this is very understandable for why people would want to stay at home. Like, it is still dangerous out there. One of the things that I've actually really loved doing is people are creating these really cool threads for individuals who are just, like, dropping their Venmos or their cash apps or stuff like that. And my feeling is kind of like, I feel like like the vast majority of people are taking care of the big organizations. So I've really loved going through those threads and just giving like 20 bucks to like this person who got injured in a protest or this person who got arrested. And that, yeah, that, that feels, I, I like the human connection element that I kind of feel in doing that. For sure. Yeah, protest comes in lots of different forms. Yeah. It's great that so many different actions can be taken and all of them are being like very spelled out and also made as easy as possible. Like today, I just had a swipe up on an Instagram story and it generated an email to yeah. go to the comptroller. I did oh, that. That's great. Too easy. Yeah. Love a comptroller email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd email him more if only somebody would write it for me. Uh, no, it was, it made it very easy. So yesterday I was at Stonewall. Oh, God, wow. And they were having one of the things there. And it's kind of like my pride. Like I'm able to celebrate pride, even though it's like, quote unquote, canceled this year. But my favorite part of pride is the Dyke yeah. March. And that's a political march. And I was asking Melody, like, I wonder if the Dyke March is going to bring it back because the Dyke March is just a political protest. So if political protests are being, you know, (laughs) somewhat allowed, I don't know, uh, (laughs) like maybe they would bring it back. But we'll see. We'll see. But it was good to see all the queers out at Stonewall and coming together for this. At least for now, the Dyke March, like official Instagram right now, is hosting digital, like if this is your first time protesting, here's what you need to know kind of guides on Zoom. Yeah. By the time this comes yeah. out, it'll happen. Yeah. Hopefully they keep doing it throughout the month. Lauren, tell our listeners a little bit, for anybody who's not familiar with you, a little bit about yourself, your background. Okay. Oh, sure. So I am an actor, writer. I I'm, I'm feel like I'm segueing a little more into 
writing, or I was before uh, the world shut down. But yeah, as you mentioned, I did, I was a cast member on Wild and Out for three seasons. I did season two of a show called Another Period on Comedy Central, where I played the ugly daughter was my role, the character <laughs> named Hortense. I had a wart with a hair that got to be applied every day, so that was Wait, fun. I watched that show and didn't even make cool. the connection that that was you. That's actually good. <laughs> well, it depends on the season, because the joke with that character is a different actress has played that character. Wow! It was <laughs> it was Lauren Ash in season one, then it was me in season two, and then it was, I'm blanking on her name, but the woman who plays Paula on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in season three. So okay, I am okay. by far uh, the least <laughs> famous and established person who's played that role. Okay, that's a funny bit. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, that and that was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, so I've sort of, uh, I think, segued a little more into writing, but recently, as you mentioned, Butch Powell for the Strikeout, yeah. that pilot, I guess like pilot presentation or whatever you want to call it, was released briefly just for a week when Clexicon's film festival went online. Uh, and I'm so happy with how that came out. That was very thrilling to get to watch after like years of of trying to put it together. Hopefully that'll get sold and 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 it'll get made and and we'll all be you know famous. <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah, dream. Uh, that's how it works. Yeah, that's yeah. traditionally how it works. Is my understanding from living in LA for over a decade. So w- were you involved in putting that? together then? Yeah, a little. I mean, the whole thing, all credit goes to Allie Johnson, who plays the character Ray in in it. We go pretty far back. We used to do a thing out in LA called 30 Minute Musicals. That's a really fun, silly show. And it was sort of, it's, you know, anytime you're doing like, not anytime, but a lot of time when you're doing theater in LA, especially musical theater, you get a whole bunch of amazing gay boys and then a lot of straight women. And then me and Allie were like the lesbians in the group who were also there. Um, And so we kind of hit it off and stayed in touch. And then she moved to San Francisco for a while. She was actually a radio DJ, which is like the coolest job ever. She was like a morning DJ in San Francisco, but she moved back to LA and she was like, I want to do this lesbian version of Queer Eye. Do you want to be involved? And I was like, absolutely. So I, I was on board from the beginning in terms of like creating the fundraising video and helping out a little bit with casting. Like, like I knew I brought Mandala in for for the audition because I knew her and so like but really the predominantly it's Ali's gay baby or <laughs> gaby as we say. <laughs> when you mentioned like Wild and Out, it just made me think of the other day Maddie Smith, who's a yes! comedian who's also on Wild and Out. Who we I finally met her. Oh yay! Did, they did like an old school, new school season. So I came in for for just one day of shooting, but shot three episodes in that day, and we met that we met that day. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, I yeah, love Maddie, cool. and she posted a receipt from a donation that she did, and then. Somebody commented like, oh, big whoop. You've got like a million dollars from Wild and Out. And like yeah. assume that just because from nice. Wild and Out and just assume because she was from Wild and Out. She's like, I, my net worth is negative $40,000. Uh, <laughs> I think people don't, don't understand like how much money you don't make. You until, don't make any money. Like... You, you really hit lot. it big. <laughs> yeah, until you make a lot. It's like there there's really 
very few who are making like a sustainable amount of income doing this stuff. I remember my friend directed and wrote a project that like went to Sundance and when she told me how much she made for it, my jaw dropped. Like the amount of work that went into yeah. it. And yeah. it was I, I want to say it was like maybe $2,000 for the whole thing. Like to write and direct. Yeah, that totally tracks. A project that went to Sundance that she spent like so much time on. I'm like, how? How? That is insane. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad. I mean, in, in L.A. especially, it's like you will constantly have like Lyft drivers or or waiters or server, you know, who you recognize from like TV movies. And it's oh, like, right. that's the fucking gig. <laughs> like, yep. it sucks. Part of one of many reasons why I've tried to gently segue into writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that pays more. I feel like you are writing on Wild Now. You're writing your rhymes and you sh- they should pay you yeah. more for that. <laughs> On the DL, <laughs> much of the stuff on that show, no, nope. not improvise. Which, if you're an improviser, you know within seconds of turning it on. Yeah, but to people who don't do improv, I guess they really they really believe it. So I'm sorry that I'm. <laughs> you just ruined the magic. Ruined I well fucking I, ju- I did. Done. I really did. I just blew the lid off the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching. I was like, man, I could never do that. And then I'm like, wait, I'm pretty sure this is like all pre-written. I'm like, that's my favorite kind of improv. Yeah, you could definitely do that. Where you just write it in your head and pretend it's spontaneous. That's that's where I really thrive. <laughs> Which is why this will segue us, I feel like, into, into quote-unquote gay shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. In my first season in like an early episode, I uh, I kissed one of the other female cast members and didn't, like, it It wasn't something that was planned. And my rationale, I was like, I want to do, like, I knew I was going to do it, so it wasn't fully improvised. But I was like, I want there at least to be something that is genuinely spontaneous to at least everybody but me to, like, really create a <laughs> moment of almost improv. And then the other reason I did that was I was like, well, I would have wanted to see a girl kiss another girl. We'll take I it. <laughs> like, like the the age demo for that show skews like younger. So yeah, did that stay in? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It stayed oh. in, and I will say that that moment, if you and I'm, I'm pretty sure you can find clips of it because society loves clips of of girls uh, <laughs> kissing. I say that like I'm not one of those people who's constantly searching right. YouTube for <laughs> girls. Um, but yeah, so that moment is that is improvised. Everyone's yeah. reactions and the other girl's reaction and blah blah blah. Uh, hashtag consent. Don't do that anymore. It was a different time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. As you were saying it, I was like, like I wonder. She she's what? a good friend of mine, and yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think you would do anything that was like predatory, but like the whole thing where if people revisit that now and they'd be like, no, like, you know, freaking out about it. It was a game that I think we only played that first season where the idea was to get as close as possible without touching and whoever sort of like flinched or backed away first, like the other team won the point. And so we had been instructed to like make it look like we were maybe gonna kiss and I was like fuck that like I'm not doing like like queer baiting shit like if that's what you want then I'm going to kiss her so it was like (laughs) so it was very it was baked into a moment we had been asked to perform and I was like "Mm, no that's so funny yeah you you can't tell 
like, yes, get, get as close as you can to yeah, right. this. I think that makes you a good lesbian. Yeah, thank you. You yeah, can't tell yeah. a girl who's actually gay to do that. <laughs> like, that's, I'm not, I can't betray my people that way. <laughs> yeah. And caveat, I did Wild and Out years ago. So for all I know now, it it is, it's fully improvised. I don't know. They've switched networks. They've switched <laughs> a lot of the people behind the scenes. But speaking for when I was doing it. Uh, I mean, it's still fun to watch. <laughs> it is fun to watch. It was one of my favorite shows. Before I was cast on it, I was a huge fan, so it was yeah. very cool to get to do nice. it. And kiss a lady. <laughs> <laughs> See, there it sounds like you're being a good lesbian and not a bad lesbian. Well, that was my one my one moment. <laughs> I wanted to open with, with a good moment. <laughs> Let's get into some bad moments. Great. This is just going to be a series of confessions. <laughs> from I really think, it, yeah, yeah. So should I just sort of lay out all the reasons that your listeners are going to turn on me. <laughs> <laughs> so has this been something like, like that you've always felt? Is it that you yeah. feel like, like you don't fit into like the traditional lesbian stereotypes? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And I've had a lot of conversations uh, in therapy, which I'm a huge fan of, about how I've just always kind of felt yes. like, like I align more just in in terms of like my essence, my vibe, my interest, whatever, with with straight men and with gay women, which is challenging because sometimes I'm like, God, the only thing about me that's really, really gay is that I'm exclusively attracted to women. <laughs> and those Count are the it. only people I sleep with. Like, which to be fair, I'd argue is probably the biggest <laughs> criteria yeah. for being a lesbian. But, um so I got that in my back pocket. But other than that, I've <laughs> always felt like I am a disappointment slash betrayal to <laughs> queer women. Does does that create any problems in your relationships? Like, do you have partners Hugely. who are just really frustrated with you not wanting to do the kinds of things that they do to, like, I, don't, I guess identify with being a lesbian? <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. I have only had what I, I what I would classify in terms of relationships. I have only had two. Other than that, it's been like hmm, dalliances. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Just like yeah, the, my first relationship was in college, senior year of college. I'm like a late bloomer, also I think, which isn't surprising in light of not really fitting in. And that relationship was with a girl who is still, to this day, a queer woman, so nailed that. Um, but then I went through probably like a decade-long period where I pretty much only was interested in and got involved with straight girls. So that is not something I recommend and is not something I do. I find that very interesting because I know we, we've talked, yeah. I think when I did your podcast, about how we're, we're both like femme yeah. for femme. And I never really thought like femme for femme women went for straight girl. I always thought that that it's... was like a butch thing to do to... I don't know. This but is I, another, like, this yeah. is also why I feel like I'm like, I'm so fucking bad at being a lesbian. Like, there doesn't, <laughs> I don't feel like there's a prototype for me, except, like, on TV, which is 
completely fake and fabricated and usually written by straight people or was when I was like growing up and like coming into my sexuality yeah, and stuff like that. But like, you know, something like the Olivia Wilde, what's her face relationship on the OC. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, this makes sense. It's like, yeah. this, this, this is good, right? Can I do that? And it's like, no, this is very much like a male gazy fantasy relationship of two extremely femme women and and one is bi and one is straight and they have like a super hot three episode arc and then the bisexual one goes away forever and the straight one goes back to men which is something that I lived out several times so it can be done but but it ends similarly to how it it did on the OC so I don't recommend it yeah not sustainable yeah it is not sustainable and I I do not do that anymore but it's hard when you find yourself very consistently attracted to to straight women and I don't just mean physically I also mean like in just in terms of like relating to them for all the reasons that I'm talking about where I my interests don't seem to align that much with traditional queer female interests yeah and it's never to be fair it's never sorority straight girls which god what a horrible I'm I apologize to everyone (laughs) for saying that that was a major stereotype please forgive me don't cancel it the girls who I've traditionally been attracted to and got involved with they're always a little like quote unquote like edgy or whatever like they're 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 in the neighborhood of like what would make more sense yeah but yeah there's just I was always drawn to those kinds of girls and I think that I felt safe because I'm not great at being a lesbian so I think I was a I've called myself a starter lesbian before (laughs) like I'm a very good bridge like maybe into the community or for people who are God, I'm talking so much. The last thing I'll say, I know it's also controversial for me to say straight girls because if a lot of people say like, well, if they get involved with you, like they're then they're not straight. And I'm just speaking like in terms of the way that they identify. Sure. Um, Yeah. And people who did not go on to be involved with any other women after we were involved. And when I say involved, that can mean either one night or that can mean like there was a girl who I saw on and off for like a year. But they all identified as straight and they did not have any romantic or physical interaction with other women. So that's why I use that terminology. Yeah. And you mentioned that a lot of your friends or most of your friends are straight, too. And (laughs) I, you know, I feel like because I'm I'm with you, like up until... Up until I probably started doing this podcast, yes! I think I was a bad lesbian in in so many ways. I still probably am. But I always felt like I was like this super dyke because like most of my friends were, were straight and the relationships I had been in were either like, yeah, I was earlier in college or my ex-wife, like I was the first relationship she had ever been in. Oh, I didn't know that. So I always felt like the most experienced person in the room. Oh, that's so interesting. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm this lesbian. I'm going to start this lesbian podcast called Dyking Out. And I'm like, oh wow, I literally know nothing. I Oh God, I, I think <laughs> of you as, I feel like you're like a sensei lesbian. Yeah, if you know nothing, oh wow, gosh. I feel like the straightest right now. No, I feel like you guys are like Matrix lesbians <laughs> to me. I mean, because look, like, but look at where I'm coming from. Like, I 
started a coming out podcast because I feel like in a lot of ways, like I didn't progress that far past that point. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. part of the reason, and Nicole and I started the podcast because we both facilitate groups at the LA LGBT Center. And the group that I gravitated the most towards and that I felt I was best at was the Women's Coming Out Workshop. And I think a huge part of that is because I do feel like a, a bridging lesbian and like sort of a safe, like I'm going to yeah. gently shepherd you into this world. But there have been a lot of times where I've been facilitating like three years and I've seen women come in and be like totally not out fully even to themselves, certainly not out to family. And I've been facilitating enough that I've seen them come out and progress like further than me. Like they have like a girlfriend and they're like moving in and I'm like, fuck, I have this weird arrested development where I'm like great at shepherding women through the coming out process. And then I'm like, okay, you've surpassed everything I can teach you. Good luck out there. Yeah, like lesbian manager, and you should get ten percent yeah. of everyone's gayness, and you should be really gay. I really should. <laughs> I you'd think so. I should just stay on the management side of things, though. I think rather than be out there in the field. No, no I think we need to turn it into a multi-level marketing scheme where where you really profit from a pyramid of yeah. lesbians. Oh, pyramid of lesbians. That's a. That's an image, yeah. So do you take in a lot of, like, straight girl culture, too? <sighs> That's a great question. Like, are you, like, right, like, today is a Wednesday. Part of me is, like, really excited that Real Housewives of Le Beverly Hills is on tonight. And I am never going <laughs> to... Admit that to that's, Carolyn. That's yeah. the straightest thing about you. No, gotcha. See, I think reality TV is definitely yeah. straight culture. I totally and agree I feel with like you. A bad yeah, but, oh, every but time. there are queer women. I know so many queer women, though, who are super into, like, The Bachelor and stuff like that. You yeah, know what I mean? I watch See, it. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't think there were any of them. And, and that's where I think I'm a, a bad lesbian because I had this joke about, like, lesbians not watching The Bachelor and then I saw some other lesbian go up and talk about how like they love The Bachelor and I'm like oh is this really off I really thought there was zero reason for a lesbian to watch The the Bachelor but Melody explain the appeal please <laughs> I mean the girls are really hot <laughs> <laughs> um, it's um I don't know every time I've said it on the pod I know I've been like it's for anthropological reasons but I, bu I buy it I just I love the messy drama. I don't know. And, you know, I did just come out as bi on this podcast, so now I can at least chalk it up to the straight side of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm like an episode behind, and I feel like that must have been... So now I feel like a really bad yeah. lesbian. Because <laughs> I... No, I am no. a dyke identifying bisexual. Shout out to the listener who yes. is sending me a hat. That says bike, B-Y-K-E. Oh, I fucking I love that. For that That's too, fantastic. Right? <laughs> uh, no, it. you know what? It's so funny that you asked that because I watch almost predominantly queer stuff. Like, I have trouble getting invested in a show if I don't know there's going to be a, a female-female we'll relationship You're already, down the yeah, line. better than me. I am pretty immersed in it. It's really only in the practicality that I feel like I'm, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Do you let's, like brunch? Let's analyze me. <laughs> no, I don't really like brunch, but that's more of a I sleep late and don't have a lot of money thing. Yeah. That's more I know how to make an egg, so I'm good. <laughs> I could be convinced to like brunch with a couple of modifications, I feel like. I, I think brunch is a straight thing, but maybe I'm wrong about that, because I know there are a lot of gay gay brunches too, but I, yeah. I see it as like straight gay men. Well, have you been to drag brunch? Come on. 
Drag oh, lunch is a no. big thing. Yeah. There's also out in LA, there's, uh, I think it's called Les Du Brunch. Mm. Ah. Uh, that is a, a queer female brunch. Again, I haven't been to these because they're far too early for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I also wonder if like LA queer women are like a different breed altogether. Like, I don't know. I The L word makes it seem that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it certainly did. I, I think everyone will admit that the L word is not accurate, but I do think that LA is more, I mean, LA is more like, mm, I love it here, but it's more kind of superficial and presentational than just about anywhere anyway. So I sure. do think that extends to our queer population. <laughs> I know for me, part of it with like, let's say having straight friends specifically was that for a long time I was terrified of lesbians. Like nothing was scarier to yeah, me than I other was lesbians. Yeah. And yeah. So the thought of like anytime I'd be at parties and they were there, I would just like be in a corner, like tr- hoping they didn't catch me staring. Yes. But they all looked like super intimidating to me at gay bars. I would like go with a straight friend or a gay guy friend and that like gave me the excuse to just hang out with them all night and not approach anybody. So I never had like this like gang of queer people yeah. that I regularly hung out with. Yeah, I still yeah. don't. And when I started to, it was men. It was Yeah, gay men. I don't I still don't really either. Yeah, and I definitely when I was first sort of coming out was way more comfortable in gay male spaces. Yes. Because it like to me that was great. It was like, oh my god, there's no awkwardness or chance that either one of us is going to have any like feeling towards. It. So that just felt very like safe to me. And they were yeah. like, it's a very specific kind of anxiety of like, I yeah. hope this person doesn't think I'm in love with them, and that's yes. the anxiety I have yeah. around all lesbians. <laughs> yeah, and also the like my also weird, you know, like whether it's like an actor ego, or whatever. You have that thing where you're like, oh god, everyone hates me. I'm terrible, but also I secretly think everyone has a crush on me. <laughs> like you kind of like balance those two shitty elements, right? But yeah, gay male spaces were amazing because it was not having to worry about any of that and like they were fun and funny and they embraced me and I was like kind of just like novelty so I did sort of really ease into the queer community through gay men which was great yeah Um, and it took me a long time to be comfortable going to queer female spaces like it really did I also think there's a kind of there can be a, a clickiness element to certain lesbian spaces or, or for groups. sure yeah and I've had trouble with that partly because I do feel like I'm a bad lesbian so I'm like ah, oh, I don't know what I have in common with you guys and I don't know enough about being us and like yeah I it's hard it makes me feel like I'm back in high school a lot of the time yeah. <laughs> when I'm in queer female spaces yeah it feels like there's a lot of homework like I didn't do and that's and I get that anxiety like I didn't do the homework I I don't I don't know all the Buffy um references so I'm scared yeah it's like I'm just like doing it wrong where like I feel like a lot of the media or whatever that I'm consuming is stuff that's put out by straight people like queer stuff created by like I'm not into the authentic enough queer stuff and then I feel like and then I feel really bad about that. It's like a whole, it's a guilt shame spiral that just goes in a never ending loop. So that's fun. Yeah. Tell me this do you like cats? 
I am allergic. <laughs> okay, to that. it's like God doesn't want me. I know. Well, it's been nice Isn't talking. Isn't that to a you? fucking? Oh no, guys, are you still guys? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm warming up to cats. You don't um, have to. They're the worst. <laughs> oh, whoa. Hey. Yeah, I my, know. My, cat. my parents have two cats, um, yeah. and so when I have visited them and stayed with them, I have over time grown to have like a, a comfortable uh, adversarial relationship with their cats. Yeah. Yeah, I can't pet them and then touch my face. Mm. That's not a good yeah. scene if I do that. <laughs> so... I'm a, I'm no dog person. But I feel like that's also very lesbian. I, everyone always it says is, cats but, and lesbians, but it's always lesbians walking their dogs in my name. Well, yeah. initially for a long time I had a bunny, which, I, what what's that? What category is that, that queer. fucking fall into? Okay, great. Yeah. I had a bunny. Right now I have a dog, but he's like a small yappy dog, which I feel like is more of a straight girl thing. He's not a purse dog, unless it's yeah. like a very large purse. But still, it's not, like, I don't like the big, like, golden retriever. See, I can't even think of, like, what pitbulls. A pitbull mix rescue is the lesbian dog of choice. (laughs) I don't mind them. But, yeah, yeah, but as a small human, like, bigger dogs, they scare me. They're bigger than me. (laughs) Yeah. I just think about picking up their poop. I'm like, man, that's a two-hand poop job. I don't want any dog that I need to use two hands to pick up their poop with. Yeah, oh, that doesn't sound pleasant at all. I know, because sometimes my wife is like, I want a big dog that I can just cuddle up with, um, like, the poop. Just think (laughs) about it. Just think about, and it's hot, and it's, like, falling apart in your hands. You've given us a lot of thought. (laughs) You know, I hope... a real picture. (laughs) I hope nobody's eating while they listen to this. I really do. (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Do you feel like then because of this, do your friends see you as, like, do they recognize your queer identity, your straight friends? Yes. I think part of that is because it was like, not a novelty, that sounds really shitty, but because I was for so long not just the only lesbian or queer woman in a group of friends, but like the only queer person for a long time, Yeah, it was like a fun kind of like ribbing, like poking fun, but because it's all like comedy people, so it's like, yeah, I, I think they they did recognize me very much so, but not on a level of like it was just like a like a fun like ah this is the thing we tease Lauren about thing yeah does that make sense? But it wasn't I never felt erased or anything like that. But I would definitely talk with my straight guy friends 
about girls, <laughs> like for sure. We were for frequently sure, yeah. attracted to the same <laughs> girls. So that was easy <laughs> to talk about. And like you were saying about the podcast, it was not until I started facilitating at the LGBT Center and then started the podcast, which was literally right after the election, like the 2016 election. Yeah. It was December. I went to my first orientation at the center. So it's been like four, almost four years now that I've I kind of fast-tracked myself at that point. It was like all of a sudden I went from being like the worst lesbian ever to being very queer, at least in my activities. Like everything I do now traditionally is in some way linked to the queer community. Right. Just because it's like, it's just most of what fills up my schedule. So it's weird to also be in that position, but still feel like I'm shitty at just like the basics. (laughs) It's like when you don't get the foundation but then you're like, I'm going to build this house. And it's like, oh, no, you built it on sand. <laughs> like, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still I still struggle with it. I still feel like I'm fraudulent in a lot of ways. I relate to that, too. And it's always around this time of year when we come up on Pride. And I'm like, who am I going to sure. go to Pride with? Like, I remember yes! like, last year I legitimately was yes! like, I don't have anyone. Like, my girlfriend was out of town. And the only people I had to go to Pride with were straight people. And that made me feel bad. (laughs) We have a thing out here uh, called Dyke Day that's the Saturday before. I mean, all of this, sadly, is canceled this year, but it's Dyke Day is Saturday, and then the big Pride March in WeHo is Sunday. And thank God, over the years, I now have, like, enough people who I can call and be like, hey, what are you doing for Dyke Day? But initially, it was like, I, I really did not have people to go with and then I made friends through facilitating and like through Nicole who is who is not a lesbian who is a a very uh vocal bisexual woman and yet still a better lesbian than I am which is such a (laughs) such a weird dichotomy but through doing the podcast with her I've met more people so now it's like I feel solid enough about who I'm going to go to Dyke Day with. But for the Pride March, I still usually go to an all-gay boy party ahead of time and then go to the march, like, with gay boys. Like, that's, yeah, I still feel like I don't fully have a a queer female circle. Also, we couple up and disappear. I mean, you've talked about that. Everyone who has a podcast has talked about this (laughs) countless times. So that's hard, too. A lot of my queer female friends now have kids and live out of the city yeah. or out of the state. So, yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> watching the L word is having that be like the first major queer thing that we were all exposed to gave us like a false idea of of how it should be. Yes. And having this like core group of lesbian yeah. identifying friends, like I've always had queer friends but it's always just been like one over here one over here yes like, never me did too we all hang out together 100 percent. yeah I mean a big part of that for me is like I've always been very resistant to the idea and I'm sure a lot of this has to do with like internalized homophobia I mean I'm not I'm not an idiot I know I still have issues to work through <laughs> so like it, it's obvious but I've never understood the thing of like I want to go do XYZ specifically to meet queer women or specifically to try to find a girlfriend. I've always just wanted to do the activities and, like, social stuff that I enjoy doing. 
Sure. And a lot of that was theater, where you, again, meet a lot of wonderful gay mm-hmm. dudes and then a lot of straight women. And just, yeah, it felt like the things that I gravitated to, I just wasn't meeting a lot of queer women, but I was too stubborn or dealing with my own issues or whatever to want to broaden my interests. Because I've always been that person that's like, no, it's, it's stupid to do something like just to have an ulterior motive. Like, do what you like, and then you meet people who you know are like on the same page as you. And that's great in theory, but as someone who's been single a very long time, not in practice. <laughs> Yeah, we we do have so many listeners who write in with questions about, like, all my friends are straight, help, how do I make more queer friends? And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I The most definitely through volunteering at the center is the yeah. number one. And having a queer podcast is yeah, the I was number say, one way for me. <laughs> like for me, honestly, becoming a comedian was probably one of the bigger ones just because and, and then getting booked on specifically queer shows. Yes. And then it's uh, like, oh, here we are. That's how we met. Yeah, the dream. yeah that's how Melody and I met. It's like we're all hanging out with each other now. Uh. Whereas I, for a million years, did improv, which is like straight boy central. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you find with your straight guy friends, like talking about girls and advice and stuff like that, like, are you able to relate or do you find like you're approaching this same thing from like completely different angles? That's such a great question. I think I used to feel a lot more like I could relate. And I do think that had a lot to do with internalized homophobia, with not being fully comfortable with not, I didn't think I had a problem with being attracted to women. I had a problem specifically with being a lesbian. And so I think like I would talk to them and relate to them like, like more as a guy, which is fucking shitty. Like, and usually misogynist, like not the way to do it at all. And again, I'm talking, this is like over a decade ago. Like this is yeah. when I was younger. Now I think, thank God, A, I think my guy friends have also grown up or I've gravitated more towards different kinds of straight guys. So I think, like, my whole friend group is pretty, quote-unquote, woke or certainly respectful. And so I think that there's a lot more common ground for talking in that respect. But, yeah, I think a lot of times it boils down to me kind of feeling jealous because I'm like, motherfucker, if... I were just a guy, I'd be killing it in this racket. (laughs) Because, like, we'll be attracted to the same kinds of women sometimes. And, like, I can tell that, like, they love me and they vibe with me and, like, we have a lot of fun. But then, you know, they'll they'll end up with one of my guy friends. Like, yeah. and I'm like, ah! <laughs> ah! They really were straight. Ha! Huh? That's a real thing. Ugh, fascinating. Yeah, it, and, and I, I guess, too, with, like, having friends that are straight, I think, like, being queer, I'm a lot more discerning about who I'm friends with. Like, I don't put up with yeah. a lot of bullshit from people, especially men. So I yeah. feel like I put them through, like, the Ninja Warrior challenge of just having a clue. I don't know. But like any guy that I'm friends with is, is going to be pretty decent. Vetted. So when we are talking, <laughs> yeah, vetted, yeah. but like at, at the same time, sometimes when we're talking about things, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is great. We're relating. And then I realize I'm like, I don't really know how to be a friend of straight guys sometimes because like they'll, 
ask me for advice on things and I'm like the advice I'm giving is probably good for a lesbian but yeah. not for a straight guy I'm like yes knit her a scarf that's a great idea and she's probably like what kind of loser are you knitting me this scarf like <laughs> I'm like talk it out talk it out won't you you know sit her down hey, and tell her how vulnerable advice. are you feeling I mean it's good <laughs> advice but like then they don't know what to do with it you know I'm like well if you're feeling insecure about that why don't you just talk about it and they're like uh yeah <laughs> don't be afraid to cry in front of her <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've also definitely as I've gotten older I've become so much better about having more female friends and I think at this this point in my life, it's at least a 50-50 split. And I maybe even at this point finally have more female friends than male friends, which I think was a long time coming. But yeah, I don't know if it was initially because I had that thing of like, when you're first coming out and you're attracted to a lot of your female friends, I know I felt very guilty about that because I felt like the friendship wasn't like authentic from my side because I knew that sometimes I'd had feelings for them. So mm. maybe I ran away in that respect, but, like, thank God, as I've gotten older, like, I think I have a healthier, like, mixture of friends now, and a lot of my guy friends, a lot of them are better feminists than I am, like, really, truly, like, they're just the fucking wokest of the woke, so, uh, so I luckily, just throughout my life, have almost entirely avoided douchebags and shitty men, which I realize is very rare and I'm very fortunate Yeah, in that respect. We were talking about pride earlier and another way that I know that I'm a, a bad gay <laughs> is that I was ignorant to so much of our history as a community and it's still like an ongoing process, but... Yeah just like the names of queer activists were like For all sure. foreign to me until like a couple of years ago. Yeah, like I yeah, knew Harvey same. Milk and that was probably it. Yeah. And this isn't necessarily being a bad lesbian, but, but like, yeah, really understanding the AIDS crisis and how that affected the community. Like those are all things that you're not really taught in school. And then when you come out, you're just like, I want to put my my tongue in her mouth and like yeah. not really thinking about you like, want the fun stuff. Yeah, you yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, this is probably so cheesy, but what helped me a lot in that respect. It was a couple years ago. Did you ever watch this mini series I did called When We Rise? I think it was like ABC or something. Oh, it I was, remember no. the promos for it. I never yeah, got around to it. It was flawed. Okay. It was not a perfect show. And I think a lot of this is also I'm a bad lesbian. I feel like a lot of the queer community was like, this is, you know, glamorized and sucks. But I don't know. I feel like it was a good crash course for me, at least as a starting place for like other stuff that I could more heavily research on my end and like look into. Yeah, that that I found helpful. I didn't even know. I just watched the Jane Roe documentary that's on. Oh, Hulu. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. She's a lesbian. Mm. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't know. Really? Her. Yeah, and and I'm like, and I, I didn't know that either. If somebody told me that before, and I just forgot it, and like didn't didn't save it in my brain. Yeah. Because it was like this sounds somewhat familiar, but at the same time, I am shocked. And it was yeah, a listener yeah, who yeah. was like, "I wasn't expecting this to be so queer." And holy shit! It was like when she was like. 10 she was running away from from home with her friend who was a, a woman and they were like making out like when she was 10 like she's was a lesbian like from the get-go just wow yeah yeah i don't think i knew that either 
Yeah. Shit, we gotta know our history. I know. I'm like, that's kind of a big one. Like, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. I mean, maybe we don't know about it because <laughs> throwing these spoilers around, but uh, she, but but I think most people know that she kind yeah. of became very religious toward yeah. like later in life mm-hmm. and was like very much manipulated by by that movement. Yeah. A tough thing for me is like I do not believe in astrology and Uh, that is a hard one (laughs) especially since it has had a renaissance in the past couple of years right i couldn't tell if i had just been ignorant to it this whole time or if it really is just having a a moment it's always been it's always been a thing yeah what happened what happened to me, no. or <laughs> what happened to you? Do you that you don't understand I, what makes? Why are me you broken? Working on it every week. <laughs> no, I just want to know how it exploded in popularity. I think it is directly linked to the 2016 election. <laughs> I think that people freaked out and felt a lack of control, right. and people didn't want to turn to religion, which is what we would have done hundreds of years ago. And yeah. I think that people turned to astrology. That's the best theory I've yeah, heard Yeah, truly. Oh, yeah. I've thought about this so much. Because I've had to because literally it comes up so much in terms of being <laughs> a queer woman who, like, does not believe in it. It's like, yeah. that's horror that's <laughs> right funny. now. That's when I was, like, a teenager and I was getting into witchcraft and tarot cards as one mm. does. And I missed that whole thing, too. Ah, uh, yeah. I did go through the witch stuff. The craft I love yeah. the craft. Great So, movie. so yeah, Fully I was like, do I want to be them? Do I want to sleep with them? Uh, little it, it was a little column B, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to confession and told the priest that I was, like, dappling in witchcraft. And <laughs> oh, I remember this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, he said it was, like, a way of a need to feel in control. So that's why I think your astrology thing uh, is is spot on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I really, really, I really think that there's a direct correlation. It always uh, was more prominent in the queer community, but I think especially with white women, it got a lot more popular after the election, where it was like, oh my God, we don't get to, like, what? We don't have the power? Even we- though we had the power to make him president? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no shit, yeah. Well, that's where I think you can see the right. split between, like, the whatever 46% or whatever yeah. voted for him. I think the other 54, like, astrology will say that. Yeah. Like, I think that's what Also, like, the happened. rise of the meme, just making it so, like, palatable and... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's huge. These are all theories that I have certainly not researched heavily and have mostly just come up with on my couch. No, so. I'm counting that one as fact now to bring up a very good point. Yeah. Well, listen, if, I mean, if you want to. Okay, but also what sign are you? <laughs> I, I Listen, I am happy to tell you, here's, I don't know my, my rising or my... M- Me neither. But here's the thing about astrology. <laughs> First of all, everyone gets three things. That's already a quarter of the sun. You can ascribe anything <laughs> to one of the three. So I just feel like you can put it in whatever category. I am a Libra on the cusp of Scorpio. Cool. I'm like the last day or two of Libra. 
But no one has ever guessed that correctly either, which I feel like, doesn't that speak to it not being yeah. accurate? Right? So I was going to think Capricorn just because of the logic you were yeah. applying there. But Me too. Yeah, I was Something like, earthy a very like logical. I yeah. do have a fuck ton of logic, but see. But that's Libra. They're supposed to be like balanced. And-, and I will say this. I am obsessed with like balancing everything. But I also, as someone who kind of worships therapy, I think all that shit can be tracked back to my parents. <laughs> like, I really right. think, like, that's, like, there are direct links to all the things that are weird or fucked up or or good and wonderful about me that do have direct links to things. I just don't think it's astrology. <laughs> um, the only time someone has correctly guessed my sign was there is a uh, there's a dance night out here, a once monthly thing in L.A. called Gay Astrology, which is A-S-S astrology. Nice. Because you shake your ass, but it's astrology based. Um, and so I went, I went to one of those, and I literally walked into the bathroom, and there was a line of, you know, like 40 women waiting. And I walked in the door, and a girl on the line points at me and goes, you're a Libra. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do I have to rethink all of this? But then it turned out she was just doing that for everyone who came through the door, and she definitely didn't get most of them right but she did happen to get mine right so I so for a brief moment I was like maybe there's something to it but then I was like this is a drunk girl in the bathroom and she had a one out of 12 shot I think we've all had that moment in the bathroom where a drunk person says something yeah. that we're like whoa they see your soul yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> drunk girls in bathrooms are prophets man right yeah, yeah. I miss that in this time of yeah. social distancing uh yeah people man <laughs> You also don't like camping. No. It's the... No, I really am not. I'm not good with the outdoors in general, and camping is... It's literally my nightmare. It's my nightmare. What does it for you? I'm also... Oh, God. ...on the fence with... Like, I can't do camping with, like, a tent... And no. I can do camping with facilities, but I literally just can't go to the bathroom outside. That's my biggest. Oh, God. No, for, no, yeah. absolutely not. I'm also the coldest human being in the world. I'm freezing literally all the time. So that that's bad for me. I'm very just like delicate porcelain doll type person where it's like if I go camping, it's like, cool, now I have this rash. Like now this thing bit me. Now this is happening. Like I'm just yeah. not built... I should have been, like, pushed out on an ice floe at the age of, like, 15 <laughs> if we lived in, you know, ancient times. Like, I'm not—I've had, like—I've worn the thickest glasses in the world since I was in, like, sixth grade. You know, like, I'm not meant to—I shouldn't be here. Like, I'm evolutionarily indoor kid. a failure. So, yes! Yeah. Thank you! I'm an yeah. indoor kid. So <laughs> camping is all of my worst nightmares pushed into one experience. Like, I just—I I did it— once at a music festival for a gig because I used to do I worked for this uh, improv theater called Bloom Chicago out in Amsterdam and there's this big yeah it was awesome it was a fantastic experience but there's this huge music festival in Amsterdam that's like once a year and so we were doing a gig there and I was like I could camp for like two or three nights and it was like the tent and the whole thing and it was so bad, partly because I found out after that I had mono. So part of me feeling oh terrible God. was... But I, I also think my body rejects camping so much that it's like, well, now you have mono in your late 20s. Don't <laughs> fucking go camping. <laughs> You're not made for this. So yeah, I I have sworn to never... like, 
And that's another thing that will, will definitely fuck up a relationship that I ever get into. Yeah. Queer women love, love hiking and camping. Yoga, can't do that either. Oh. Not flexible. Yeah. I am fucked. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do. Uh, I, I'll take it back. Like, I like being outdoor. It's really just the bathroom thing for me. But I do love, like... Kayaking, hiking, oh, yeah. building a fire, roasting. Oh, I'm all about that stuff. Sitting. I just don't need to sleep out. I wish I can't. No, I can't do any of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just need a mattress. <laughs> no, I need a girl who's super into Netflix and my apartment and my dog. <laughs> See, I would think that LA is full of that. Yeah, I got. I gotta just. I gotta just find my my girl who has just recently realized that she's a queer woman and hasn't yet become immersed enough in the culture to be like, you're not what I want. That's what, that's what I need. That's what. Do I you need. use dating apps out in LA? No, I did for a while. I went on a bunch of dates. I did not have any. I don't think I had a single second date from them. I didn't have any degree of success with them, and it really boiled down to a thing for me where it's like. I need to to meet someone, like, and see if there's a thing there. Like, I can't reverse engineer it. It has to be more Does organic. Does that make sense? Yeah. It has yeah. to be more organic. We did an amazing episode of the Coming Out podcast where we talked to someone who was aromantic. I don't think I'm aromantic, but in talking to that guest, I think I am someone who, like, I would love a relationship, but... It needs to be about the person. Like, I'm never anybody who's, like, gone out to find a girlfriend. Like, I've never understood wanting to be in a relationship. Like, I will meet a person yeah. and be like, I want to be in a relationship with that person. Yeah. But I have a lot of trouble. And dating apps, to me, are the epitome of, like, you want to be with someone. Right. Which, to me, sounds like you want to be with anyone. <laughs> and for me, it's so specific. And that's not judgment. That's literally how I'm wired. I think oh, that's sure. an orientation thing as much as sexuality. But uh, dating apps didn't work for me because I have to meet someone and feel something and then be like, God, I hope they're queer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about it like that because I've never done the dating apps mostly because I'm a serial monogamist and yeah. I don't I don't think I would enjoy that either because every relationship I've been in has been somebody that I knew and was either like friends yeah. with or coworkers with yeah. and had some type of exactly. foundation there but yeah I can't imagine just meeting up with somebody and then having that be the first thing. I used to do that a lot. <laughs> this, my girlfriend is the first person that I've actually known and dated. Before that, I was just addicted to dating apps. Uh, there is like <sighs> something. I don't think I was on them for the right reason. I loved the thrill of it. <laughs> it was like a game. But it, it also depends what you're looking for, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm at a point in my life where I'm like old enough slash tired enough that I'm like... Oh, I was younger. Yeah, that's, that's I, I think, a huge part of it. But like I'm old slash tired enough to the point where like if I know that something is just going to be like a couple month thing, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like for me to like really want, I have to feel like it could be something significant which that's just me like that's just where I'm at so well dating in LA yeah, feel it seems like a huge project even <laughs> like getting yeah, in your car feels and like, like yeah. just a lot of effort and it so it seems like it has oh, to be worth it yeah I went off dating apps because the last 
one I went on, it was December of, I don't remember what year, but I was walking, I had my coat on, I was that far out the apartment, I was walking to my door being like, this is the last thing in the entire world I want to do, and I got a text from her, as happens all the time, where she's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, can we reschedule, like, this is like 20 minutes before, and in LA, that's like... Mm. That's not cool because she doesn't know where I live. But yeah. I was so elated <laughs> that I did. I was so happy. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't be on dating apps. <laughs> like, yeah. this is, that's the wrong reaction to have. And so I went off them. After, I just, like, deleted all of them. And I haven't, I haven't been back on since. And I haven't dated anyone since. And that's, like, a, that's not true. I went on one day. But that's, like, a choice that I am making, that I'm willing to make. I'm an only child. I'm cool with being alone. I have a dog. Like, I'm all right. I have great friends, so. It's a pandemic. But, hey, single listeners, like, hit me up. Slide into my DMs. Yes, her DMs are open. (laughs) You heard it here. I'm going to get, like, hate DMs. Like, how do you not? (laughs) All about astrology. Yeah, Yeah. I know. (laughs) They're going to analyze you through astrology about why you don't like astrology. Yeah, it's been done. (laughs) something recently that made me feel like a bad lesbian was somebody posted on instagram they're like this is the lesbian flag i'm like i never even thought to look for one uh i didn't know what is the lesbian is it shades of pink or something it is basically yeah it's like pink and purple (laughs) see and i know that here's maybe this is why i'm a bad (laughs) lesbian i feel like i know the like intellectual or like book knowledge things maybe about being a lesbian but then like I keep saying I'm not good at the like and it's like street smarts versus book smarts like I feel like I have very limited lesbian street smarts (laughs) yeah but from volunteering and doing the podcast and all this like I'm okay on the like those kinds of things yeah does that make sense I don't know that's a good way of putting it yeah which has been my problem throughout much of life is book smarts versus street smarts so (laughs) it all kind of it all makes sense I can't cook. That's another me thing. Me neither. I was this quarantine has helped me realize I think I'm a bad queer in that way. That I'm not yeah, making okay, sourdough. Yeah. I'm not I can't it's more impressive at this point I still have not cooked a thing three months into okay, it. <laughs> like at least I have a girlfriend who does, but I can't bake. Poor or Allie. Cook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the only times in my life where I feel like I've eaten re- really well is when I've had a girlfriend who knows yes. how to cook. I've learned a little more. I've taught myself a little more in quarantine. I can make smoothies now. <laughs> nice. Is that is that a thing? Is that more a straight girl thing? I was going to yeah. say, I make smoothies and that feels like a straight girl thing. <laughs> like a little post-workout shake. <laughs> I make a lot of smoothies, too. I feel like that makes you just like a bad Los Angelino. Oh, okay. I'll take that. that. Yeah, that you didn't make smoothies until no, now. I okay, feel like I'll juices is more Angelino. Juices? Okay. Juicing. Yeah. We do both in our household. We've got a Vitamix and a juicer. Nice. Ooh. See, that, yeah. that, that feels like, again, that feels like good lesbian. And I, I heard you talk about building floating shelves a couple episodes ago. Oh, that's ago. so like, that's okay. fucking, God, yeah. that's great. I can't hang a picture. <laughs> I've got a lot of DIY projects and then, yeah, my wife gets like very impressed at my ability to, to hang things around the house and like measure things. And I I think being handy, that's one that I do think is an important, like all the other things I'm like, that's not necessary, but it's like being handy. Someone's got to be, and you can't leave it all on one person. (laughs) I'm not. And that's my girlfriend too. Fuck. 
I wish I knew car stuff. Like, living in L.A. and not knowing car stuff. That Ooh. shit's irresponsible. Yeah. And as a lesbian, I real I doubly should know car stuff. <laughs> I ran out of gas and didn't have AAA, and my, and my gay guy friend rescued me. <laughs> He's fucking killing it. That's not on. I should. That's not on him. Just the fact that you're calling it car stuff. (laughs) Car stuff. Is that not what it's called? (laughs) That's what I would call it because I don't know it either. (laughs) Yeah. I got a ways to go still. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe the stereotypes and stuff are are dissipating as things get more fluid. And like the stereotypes that we talk about are what a lesbian looks like. I feel like, Mm. you know, years ago that was, it was just because the people that we knew were lesbian who were like very visible and identifiable. We just looked at them and we're like, well, I guess that's a lesbian, you know, where. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you'd probably agree that through doing the podcast and talking to so many different people, you're like, oh, we're not a monolith. hundred percent. We're so different and learning every day. Like, and, and I think that for me coming out when I was 17 and having my first relationship with a woman at 17 gave me this like false sense of being this like uber dyke that I was like yeah I'm a lesbian I know all about it because I was making women come in my teens and brag about it really I was gonna say I will brag about it I was I I would yeah I figured it out real fast maybe we as late bloomers are on the flip side like I don't know (laughs) like still trying to lean into that identity yeah but but then I'm like even there's so much about about queer sex that I'm completely like ignorant to I think or oh god yeah me yeah. too like I get annoyed when sometimes I feel like queer female sex when I hear women queer women talking about it I'm like this sounds suspiciously like how straight dudes talk about sex where it's just yeah. like you do you know what I mean where it starts getting really like flippant and like like oh like top bottom duh, duh, this duh, this that and the <laughs> other th- and I'm like what? hold on now it's starting to feel like that straight guy bragging and like everything is very delineated and like this is the right way to do this and I don't know and then that starts to feel weird does that make any sense what I just said Totally. I think so. Yeah. I learned like within maybe a couple of years ago, but that lesbians, we don't have all the same definition of scissoring. Yeah, for sure. Oh, or don't. the definitions of like a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Melody's like, wait, we're not on the same page about scissoring. <laughs> I didn't know it until I think I was listening to, I want to say Emma Willman talk about scissoring. I'm like, wait, that's what you're calling Scissoring? I need to know what we're now calling. I'm scared. I, I know. know. <laughs> it's, it's crafting, right? We're talking about crafting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's another gay thing I don't do, by the way. Upholstery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Me neither. No, I know what you mean, though. I feel like I didn't learn what officially, pe- like what visually, physically people meant by scissoring until like. So, like, I always thought <laughs> okay. sc- scissoring, yeah. like the universal scissoring. Yeah. Uh, listeners yes. are on Zoom right now. Carolyn's I'm, taking. I've got my no, hands we are. right at the camera. But also scissoring. Yeah. What? See, and I feel like, ironically, I feel like I learned that from the episode of Orange is the New Black. And what? Like standing up? 
that not you can, like you can, sit in, like face. Sorry, I'm a virgin. I know. Exa- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, no, like, I know what you mean. It, it could be standing up. It could be sitting. And then I've heard people talk about just like, like fr- friction, like just. Yeah. See, that's what I thought we meant scissoring. for a okay. long time. And then I saw that episode of Orange is the New Black and I was like, oh, no, I've been saying it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, because when we're like, oh, yeah, scissoring, it's it's like a thing, but not, not really a thing. I thought it was because it was this and this. It's like a one-time novelty, and then you're like, all right, that's not official. No. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend's a stand-up, and she has a bit about it, so I don't want to, like, butcher it. But to paraphrase, she loves <laughs> scissoring, and was like, I don't understand when people say it's not a lesbian thing. What's more gay than wanting my pussy on top of a un- like she the way the details she goes into? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, okay, you're gay, you're gay. But yeah, that that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where it right. gets to be where I feel like this feels like guy talk now. Where it's like people are like, oh, like this isn't how you have so like this, and I just like with women. It's like can't we all just admit that we're all probably doing it a little bit differently? Because there's not that thing of, like, an an actual, like, long thing that very clearly inserts. Like, that's what it's supposed to... So it's... Does this... You know what I mean? So it's like, there's so many... This sounds like I've never had sex. I'm, like, (laughs) listening to myself. But I think, like, when... When you're working with a penis that's attached to a person, (laughs) I think it's a little more cut and dried about, like, what you are maybe calling, like sex or whatever but I think with women it's so much more variable and fluid and I hate when we get into these things of like this is what it is and this and like if you like this you're a top and here are all the top jokes and if you like this you're a bottom and or you're a pillow princess if you like and it's like everyone chill like yeah. I think straight people should be having more queer sex. Like they sh- are I the was ones just, who I have was to be just gonna say, it up. Yeah, <laughs> like cis P and the V sex sounds very boring <laughs> to me. I gotta say, yeah, uh, seems like I agree. They're, they're missing out on all the other stuff. I agree. Just, just that gets put you off. a finger in a butt <laughs> to start. And just put a have finger fun. in a butt. It's twenty twenty. <laughs> put a finger in a butt. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't hear this. She'll be like, see? Oh. <laughs> Speaking of. She wants to put her finger in my butt, and I won't she let does. her. That's <laughs> it, Carolyn, it's 2020. It's June made a 2020. Before. <laughs> I know. And, and I don't think there's butt. anything wrong with that. It, that is just, like, literally my one weird hang-up for, for myself. It's no, like I don't think that's weird. That. Dude, if you don't want a finger in your butt, yeah. I don't think. Don't have just a finger in Just to walk back on what we said, Dan, don't put a finger in your yeah, butt. Yeah, no. That was my silly <laughs> voice that I was using previously. This is my sincere voice. You don't have to put a finger in your butt. Carolyn... I remember you saying specifically, speaking of being a bad gay, kind of a call out you did recently was against the movie Booksmark, which we, we agree, perfect movie. Um, oh, I'm glad this is yes. coming up finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for the episode yes. when Melody was going to bring this up. I finally remember Continue. to bring this up now. Continue. Carolyn, what? Do you finally saw Booksmart? I still haven't seen it. I oh, am. So I don't want to. Sp- Spoil it for you. It's okay. It's my fault. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. This is what I get. Okay. That's not really a spoiler, but yeah. Okay. There's a character. These are young two best friends. One's realizing she's queer. It's their graduation night. So they're, you know, like 17, 18. One of them is hooking up with a girl for the first time. It culminates to this, right? There's a point where they're having their 
they're having lesbian sex, and <laughs> she, uh, the girl that the main character is like nervous to be having sex with, like stops her and was like, I, I think you have the wrong hole because she had accidentally been trying to like jam her finger up her butthole. And Carolyn, did I miss anything about that scene? Yeah, I, 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 be- I believe she was like that. She's trying to finger her, but like went up her butthole. Mm. I yeah, love that yeah. you were like, oh, this is such a big spoiler. I don't want to. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me a major plot. <laughs> Just the fact that it happens, these girls get together, but whatever. I mean, that was the climax for me in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, what, did you post online or we were talking on GChat? You're like, everything about it was so perfect, except for that sex scene. Like, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I Oh, you talked about it on the podcast, and I started listening to old episodes of the podcast when I came on, and yes. I was like, I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My first time having sex with a girl, I thought I was fingering her and went straight for the butthole. That is real. That happened. Oh! <laughs> And, and I thought that. there was no way. I was like, there is no way that a woman, I don't care if you're doing it for, for the first time, like, you know the difference. Yeah, what episode was that? Carolyn just goes on this rant about how that just doesn't happen. And I'm and yet, ironically, <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. I don't think that's ever happened to me, but maybe it was with someone polite and they didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did have a girlfriend once tell me, like, after, the, like, we were talking about, like, something or other, and she's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've done that to you. And I was like, what? No, you haven't. She's like, yeah, like, and cited a specific, she's like, remember, like, that <laughs> night, blah, blah, and you were, like, really into it. I was like, so apparently, like, that was an element of sex that we had on several occasions that I didn't know was in play. <laughs> like, there, but there's a lot going on, you know what I mean? And she's sure. like, yeah, no, that's what... And I was like, <laughs> I need time to process this. So you didn't know that it was happening to you? <laughs> no, apparently not. And I didn't know I was doing it. Yeah. So it happens. Was it us? No. <laughs> um, but also, like, that, that was college and it's like you're for me at least it was the first person I'd ever had sex with and I think you just kind of don't there's a lot of fucking stuff going on and you don't always know where stuff is poking you guys I'm really good at sex I want listeners (laughs) (laughs) sorry we weren't 17 year old expert lesbian sex having rock star dykes sorry sorry Now, now I'm like paranoid and just bracing for the the first person I had sex with to be like, uh, you wrecked my butthole. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you wrecked my butthole. <laughs> um, no, I think you were probably just just really advanced. <laughs> I think you were just just you know. I don't be know proud why it would have been. I never masturbated, so it was like you were holding up all that knowledge for. I guess other people. <laughs> it's just it's very selfless. <laughs> Anything else that you want to fess up to about being a terrible les? Oh shit! Out with it. <sighs> I mean, the hu- the other huge one is she's growing on me a little, but I I really don't care for Ani DeFranco. <laughs> I like the Indigo Girls. <laughs> See, I can't get into the Indigo Girls. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Ani DeFranco, I'm like, 
Also, again, lukewarm on, but I'm huge into Tegan and Sarah, so I feel like that I like Tegan and Sarah. Yeah, I like lesbian adjacent artists. I love Amy Mann, Liz Fair, yes, Danny Lewis. Sure. Just listen to Amy lesbian Mann. Lesbian adjacent. None Fiona Apple feels like was, the most queer. Fiona Apple's my she number one favorite. Yeah, <laughs> she's my favorite artist. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was watching an episode of Buffy where Amy Mann is like the musical performer what? at the bronze <gasps> and she looks so gay. Yeah, I know. So gay. And I'm like, how I had to like pull up Wikipedia because I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's married to a man, but is she bisexual? Like know, they're right? just so queer. That's how I feel about Jenny so Lewis. Queer. Me too. I pulled up her Wikipedia the other oh day. Oh my god. I was like, what the f- fuck is this nonsense she's my first crush yeah. I just, oh, goosebumps i am <laughs> oh! obsessed with jenny lewis ever since i was um like i love her 13, she made that 14. video with fucking uh, kristen stewart yes. and brie larson i was like how are you not she's always teasing us bi- with her choices <laughs> but she's yeah, man. she's great it's really? hard out there. Oh, you know what's here? I'm going to throw this into the mix because this happened just literally today. It's <laughs> one of my shame crushes. Lily Reinhardt just came out as bi today. Lily Reinhardt, you shouldn't know her. I'm too old to know her. She plays Betty on Riverdale. She's in Hustler. Oh. She is a very, very, very straight appearing blonde girl. She's She came out as bi? Just this morning, yeah. And I've had a shameful crush on her. And now I feel good because I'm like, yay, maybe a part of me knew she wasn't a straight girl and I'm growing as a person. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, good for her. Welcome, Lily Reinhardt. Please uh, be my wife. Side note, Lauren, have you watched Feel Good? Yeah, I loved it. Okay, because there's the part where she talks about why she only goes after straight girls and it's, I, I forgot exactly, but something about like... It's probably because she hates herself or something of why. Yeah, yeah I think there's uh, probably a little bit of element <laughs> at play there. I think there used to be a much bigger yeah. element of that. And I don't think it was that I necessarily hated myself, but I think I did have issues with sure. being a lesbian. With Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that was a play. It's funny, though, one of the first women who I dated after I, like, swore off straight girls was this bisexual girl who I really fell for and who I really, really liked. And then she, ended, she like, ended up ghosting me. And I remember just, like, crying to a friend of mine in the parking lot. Uh, and I said something like, I was like, but I'm not doing the bad thing anymore. Like, I'm dating queer women. Why is this happening? And she was like, ooh. She's like, Lauren... Just, co- like, it's not, like, the only reason shit wasn't working. Like, <laughs> just because you're dating queer women doesn't mean it's going to work out with all that. I think I thought that I just had to clear this one hurdle, and once I did, it was going to be smooth sailing. And it's like, no, dating is still fucking hard. You're still going to get your heart crushed a lot. Just now it'll be women who could have loved you. <laughs> I think I was trying to protect myself for a long time, because when stuff would end, it would be like, well, I knew it was going to end. It's not fully about me. It's right, they right. Yeah. That That's what I was wondering, not yeah. to try to analyze your, your behavior. But no, please, but, we but talk about think, this in therapy a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do wonder, because I, I know for me, I never had a crush, like, on a straight person, because Very for me, healthy. I had to know there was a chance of it being reciprocated. 
But then yeah. I can also see the appeal of being like, well, if it doesn't work out, it's never my fault because yeah. like, I'm just a phase for them. Yeah, I think I was definitely protecting myself. But I will say there are plenty of examples of uh, women dating women who are quote unquote straight. And then stay with them forever. I mean, look at Lee from oh, Let's sure. Hang Out. Like, look at her and her wife. So when I, in the past, when I did get involved with straight girls, it's like, I again, I would never go for the super, super straight ones. And I would never make the first physical move on a straight girl. Ever. Like, that to me crosses a line and is not cool. Okay. But we'd always have this, like, very extended flirtation. Like, they would always know I was into them. I wouldn't, like, hide it. But then it would always be a situation where, like, we're drunk sure. or whatever. And, like, they would initiate and I would be like is this okay and then we'd like go along with it and then the next morning it was usually done but I I was very good I I always sort of picked up a vibe of like who was like curious or whatever so it wasn't like the straightest of the straight it was always like there was something there but it was but I wasn't good as identifying the ones who were like they are queer they just don't know it yet I was right smack in the middle (laughs) it was like they're curious. Yeah. They'll do it. <laughs> this is not a lifetime thing for them. <laughs> like, does that make sense? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, That yeah, gray area sure. did not ever fully progress for me, sadly. Well, I want to put a, a bow on this topic by saying I don't think there's such thing as a bad lesbian, like, for Aww. real. You yeah, know, obviously, yeah. like, we can't, but it is fun to kind of compare ourselves to these stereotypes that have been around forever. And I will say that since I've been, like, leaning into those and trying to be more present in the queer community, obviously. Yeah, me I've too. enjoyed it so much. Even... I just, I love it. I love being around queer people. I love making content for queer people. I love our listeners. And also, you know, doing comedy, having made so many more queer friends and hanging out around them. It is really nice to have community. And community, I think, is a huge benefit of trying to kind of lean into those those things to find, but mostly I, I'm just very glad I got over my fear of lesbians. That's yes. what I'm trying to say here. I <laughs> feel winded. <laughs> exactly the same way. I'm so glad that even if I don't have yeah. like the L word gang of women now, I certainly have, uh, like one of you was saying, like people who I know I can call when there is an event or something or be like, hey, do you want to come to this with me? Like I have enough yeah. of those people now. And that's all from volunteering and doing the podcast, which is really, which is really, really cool. A really cool side benefit that I didn't expect, but I'm so grateful for. Nice. So being a good lesbian is getting involved. Yeah, guys. Civic engagement. Community. No, the, getting involved <laughs> in the community is. Yeah, it's great. Love it. And put a finger in your butt. It's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and butt stuff. Butt stuff 2020. Oh, God. Let's get to our <laughs> listener. Speaking of butts, yeah. Uh, let's get to our listener question. Listener question. What do you do about the things you get from your ex during a relationship? Should you keep them post-relationship? I have a bracelet with my girlfriend's name on it, but it's something that she's had since childhood that she gave to me and I've never gotten rid of. Also, I have a varsity jacket from an ex, and again, I know that's an important item that she gave to me. I can't give these things back because we've moved on and live in different countries, but I've never found it in me to throw them out. Is that weird? Wow. Hmm. I mean, those 
specific examples are such intimate things to hold on to. I was going to say, yeah. Like, there there are some things that I have... I don't know. If it's something that's, like, not that intimate, like, we've been doing a lot of reorganizing and purging during quarantine, and there was, like, one thing that I wanted to keep, and Cecilia's, like, actually, my ex gave that to me, and it reminds me of them, so let's get rid of it. And I think... If it's just like bringing up memories that you don't want to have, get rid of it. But those seem like very intimate and maybe it's worth the international shipping. This is so funny. I have kind of a, I'm in a very similar situation where my ex, my like big ex lives in another country because I met her in Amsterdam. And so she still lives there. And she had given me, it was, it was when I was working at Boom and it was like a show was going to open and I was like really nervous about it. And she gave me this little, like one of those little turquoise, like scarab beetles that she'd had since she was a kid. And it was like for good luck. And I had tried to give it back to her initially when we broke up out there. And she actually got really angry. I mean, cause it was when I'd returned her stuff and I had put that in there and she found it. And she's like, what is this? And I'm like, this is yours. She's like, I gave this to you as a gift. She got like really upset. But this is years later now. She's married. She has kids. I was like, she might want this thing. And I was going back to Amsterdam and I wrote her and I was like, do you want to bring, do you like want to give that to your daughter? Like this seems like really important. And she was like, no, that was a <laughs> gift. Like keep it. So I still have it. Um, Wow. Yeah, I guess in situations, it depends. If you're not over the person and you're keeping it for that reason, I think that's not awesome. If you are really fully over them, but it reminds you of, like, a nice, like, you know, not every relationship is, like, "Ah, salt the earth, forget this person forever. It's, like, if it reminds you of a nice thing that you had with somebody and it doesn't, you're saying bring up either painful memories or a non-productive, still-in-love-with-you memories, then I think I'm such a pack rat that (laughs) I keep a lot of stuff like that, so... I've been in this position before with my big breakup, and I held on to... I didn't intentionally... This person had left something very important to them and their family. It was like, this person was from Amman, Jordan. This was their dad's... Just this, like, kind of family... Oh, gosh. ...from Jordan and left it. And I want no one to take my (laughs) advice because if you act out of passion like I did once it's over, I took it and I walked past their (gasps) apartment and I threw it in front of their house into the snow and God knows if they ever found it. Um, And I feel guilt about this all the time. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my still think about this. This happened uh, January 2016. I still think about it all the time. So if you have any spite in you and you have something important of theirs, <laughs> don't <laughs> act out of that passion and maybe <laughs> ship it back because the uh, guilt will haunt you forever. <laughs> I'm sure they found That's it when so the funny. snow I- thawed through but they live in like a three family like chicago i mean i don't know if they ever found it i chucked it at their house um and it was just this like uh, immigrant family heirloom uh, oh. you see it on like antiques road show one day you're like oh fuck <laughs> yeah that's who found it uh, i would have at least pawned it man wow. <laughs> i was um, livid because what i was dumped <laughs> and yeah hear that um and what is the actual end of the question? Is it if she should... It, it's like, is it weird to hold on to it? That I think you will know in your gut. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. If the question isn't yeah. about, like, her concern for, like, the other person, then I think it's like, you know in your gut if you're keeping something for the right reasons or for unhealthy reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you do want to get rid of it, ask them unless you're really on horrible terms that you can't ask, but give them the courtesy and be like, hey, do you want your old varsity jacket? Because I'm going to donate it. If not, but don't feel like you have to hold on to your ex's possessions because you feel bad. Like you can yeah, condo that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, if you're on speaking <laughs> terms, I think it's I think it's great to ask about that. And it doesn't have to be in like a weird like the letter does the email or whatever doesn't have to be like, hey, still have your jacket. Wondering what I should do. <laughs> like there's a way to yeah. write it that will clearly indicate like this is a practical question yeah. that I'm asking because right. I'm a decent human being yeah. and I don't want to throw out something that might be meaningful to you. And I have a plan of action if you don't yeah. want it and this is yeah. not completely I think it, out of the blue. Yeah, if it makes you feel better. I, I had a picture of my ex-wife and it was a picture from when she was a kid with her grandfather who had since past and it was one of the the things that you know I came across going through things and I was like do you want this back and she didn't get back to me and I held on to it for like a little bit and then I just threw it out I was like you know what I can't I'm not like the keeper of this person's stuff anymore and I gave them the chance and you always feel bad throwing out a physical photo I think, especially, but I'm like, <laughs> eh, someone's got to double. Yeah, if she didn't somewhere. get back to you, she didn't get back to you. Like, uh, yeah, you did your due diligence. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I think it comes down yeah. to why well. you're you're keeping the stuff. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for one pitching in on advice, but also coming on the podcast. Where can people follow you on social media? Oh, great question. Uh, you can follow me at at Lauren Flans on Twitter, where I am far too active. I have a debilitating Twitter addiction. I'm on Instagram at Lauren underscore Flans, where I'm not that active. But also, I really hope that y'all will check out me and Nicole's Coming Out podcast. It is called Coming Out yes. with Lauren and Nicole. Uh, it's at Coming Out Pod everywhere, comingoutpod.com. Yeah, we just hit 100 episodes. We've had on amazing yes. guests. We've had Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We've had on Dot Marie mm-hmm. Jones from Glee. So yeah, I hope people will check that out. Yeah, it, I recommend it. Definitely check it out. It's a great podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Carolyn's been on it. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, check out her episode. I know, you should have listened to it already. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, uh, go ahead, come on. You were on for last year's Pride, so it's like almost exactly, it's yes. gotta be like exactly a year. You were one of our Pride Week yeah. guests just last year. That was so much fun. That was a blast. And then you can follow us at Dyke out on all social media and also me personally at TGI Carolyn and me at Melody Kamali. If you want extra content, you can also go to patreon.com slash diking out where we have some fun goodies there and things that you can get based on the level you sign up at. And it goes a long way to support the podcast. So do that if you haven't already. Thank you so much for diking out with us this week and dike out with us next week. Bye. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.